Get back in control with Off the Wagon, adventures in emotional eating, health, and weight loss. Each episode containing fork-sized mindset tweaks, perspective shifts, and lifestyle hacks to get you back on the wagon. Whether it's habit change, emotional eating, addictions, weight loss, willpower, or relationships, there's something here for you. So let's get on the wagon and get down the road to your goals with me, Christy R. Hall. Welcome to episode 38, where this week we're talking about how to process your emotions. Over the course of this podcast, we've been talking about emotions, both pleasant and unpleasant, and how we can sometimes use food to deal with, avoid, and distract ourselves from those emotions. We've talked about how eating or drinking or shopping or Facebooking in response to emotions is a learned habit or a coping skill, and we endeavored to teach ourselves better, more appropriate, and even constructive coping skills. But with that in mind, we haven't really discussed how to process our emotions. I mean, let's face it. We all have a lot of conflicts going on in our lives and we generate a lot of challenging and even stressful emotions. And at any point in time, there's probably something you're struggling with, some aspect of your life that you're not completely happy with, some portion of your plate that's got way too much on it, no pun intended. And we all could probably benefit from building better and honing our coping skills, right? Because many times we spend more energy and effort trying to avoid and resist not only the feelings or emotions that we're feeling, but the urges and drives to engage in our distraction method than it would be to just feel the feelings and move through them. Now, most of us, don't really think about what's required or how the processing of emotions works. So I want to briefly go over that here. Step one is awareness, and that's where you notice the feelings and sensations, where they are and any thoughts that you have about them. Step two is staying with them and accepting the emotions. Step three is where we understand why we're having the feelings or emotions. Step four is addressing the emotions and taking some sort of action or reframing our thoughts. Now, that four-step plan makes it seem really simple, doesn't it? I might personally add a pre-step to step one. See, to me, step one is a conscious place. At step one, you're aware that you're angry or sad or that you're feeling guilty. You know why. You know what you did action-wise. You know what they did action-wise. Step 0.5, I'm going to call it, in my opinion, happens before that. It's the stuff that happens before conscious thought. It's your feelings about that look before you've processed it and thought about what that look actually meant or how it made you feel. Step Point five to me is about the vague feelings and sensations that happen before you've identified them or what happened to cause them. Now, whether or not you agree with my step point five or with even the established four steps of emotional processing isn't really that important. The point is that for most emotional eaters, we engage that 
eating coping skill or behavior at step point five or even at step one. We rarely make it to step two, much less all the way through the process. Mostly, I think this is because we're afraid of emotions. We don't like the way the quote unquote bad ones feel and so we avoid them. Some of us figure that if we avoid them, we won't have to feel them at all, which is of course completely false. There are others of us who feel that if we can finally process that closet full of sadness, shame, regret, and all the other nasties that we packed away in the closet, that we won't ever have to feel them again. What we need to do is come to a place where we understand what emotions are and how to use them. So today I want to talk about how to process emotion and how to process really when there's a lot of stress going on because there's always a lot going on in our lives and what happens is our panic modes get triggered and then we resist everything that's happening around us. The change that we don't want but also the change that we do want. So eating in response to stress is a super common coping mechanism. Lots of people do it. But what is stress? Well, stress is two things really. Stress is the internal experience, the feelings and sensations, your body's interpretation of your external experience. But stress is also, and really, an invitation. It's an opportunity for growth and expansion. Stress is created whenever you are outside of your comfort zone. And like I said, lots of people respond to stress by eating or drinking a glass of wine or binge watching Netflix. It's their way of avoiding and not coping with the emotions that they're having. And before you say, Christy, I'm working the same job I always have been, living in the same house I've been in for 10 years, doing the same things I have been. I'm in my comfort zone. Keep in mind that boredom can take you outside of your comfort zone. Reaching the uppermost potential of a job may put you outside your comfort zone. Feeling like the life that you're in, that you've created, that you should be so incredibly happy with, but you're not, should be and you want it to be more satisfying and more fulfilling is definitely going to put you outside of your comfort zone. And how this emotional eating can play out is that it may make you eat more at lunch or dinner. Or perhaps you may find that you absolutely must have dessert, even though you aren't really hungry, just because you deserve the treat. Or because you find comfort in that 100 calorie snack pack, right? It doesn't always show up as binge eating chocolate on Saturday afternoon or after you come home from work because you fought with your boss. The truth is, is that that boredom is a call to do something more or maybe take on more responsibility or go back to school and learn more. It's possible that it's a call for you to check in with yourself and see what it is that you really want for yourself. What do you want to be or do or have? When we feel these calls to grow and to become, 
And I'm not talking about life changes here, right? Because this, these stresses that we're talking about, they could be in relation to Christmas gatherings with your family, which could really be a call to be more loving and compassionate to yourself or a call to stop putting up with your family's judgments and their crap. But when we feel uncomfortable or frustrated or angry, we're being called outside of our comfort zones. We're being called to expand, to accept, to allow. But what really happens is when we resist this call to growth, and instead of growing and personally developing internally like we would if we just processed the emotion and moved through it, when we resist, when we attempt to avoid, when we eat in an attempt to distract ourselves from it, we create a situation where we actually and physically grow externally instead. I mean, that's hardly a metaphor, right? We're being called to grow spiritually, internally, personally, and instead we grow externally and physically. <laughs> we stuff down the emotions with food, which is exactly the opposite of letting the emotions come up and out. When we eat over our feelings, right, we compound and add to them, which is not what we want because, hello, we're trying, I mean, eating, you're trying not to feel them in the first place, right? So why would you want to make them more, bigger, better, greater? Why would you want to have to stuff more feelings into the closet? Wouldn't it be easier just to move through the ones that you're having and just let them go? So what do we do? Realize that change is always happening. It's unavoidable. It's unstoppable and sometimes painful. Fighting that change is pointless, futile, and will only lead you to more pain. Change is a part of life, but that doesn't mean that it's all good or that you're going to like it all. But here's the thing. If change is going to happen either way, you might as well grow and get something good out of it, right? instead of resisting and denying and eating your way to an early grave. And what does that resistance look like? It looks like self-sabotage. It looks like giving up on yourself, quitting your self-care practices that are so important. It looks like swapping your water for energy drinks. It looks like staying up too late and then getting up too late and drinking more wine than you should, and skipping your workouts in the morning, and starting to eat junk food again. You know what I'm saying? But I get it. It all sounds easy when I say it. In practice, it's hard. Because we want to control everything and only ever feel good stuff. And so we resist anything that doesn't feel good. But I think it's important to realize that your emotions aren't there to hurt you or make you feel badly. They're there to draw your attention to something that's going on. In fact, they're really your body's only way of communicating with you. It's kind of like a baby that way. 
It has no words. Babies just laugh and cry. And it's up to you as the caregiver to investigate and figure out what's really going on. It's the same with your body. Think about it. When you've eaten something that doesn't agree with you, your body produces sensations that you interpret as a stomach ache. When you've overexerted yourself, your body produces feelings and sensations of fatigue or achiness. And sometimes you interpret that as, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that again. When someone treats you as if you don't matter, your body creates sensations in your heart or your chest that you interpret as you've gotten your feelings hurt. So I found that it's really helpful to set an alarm on my phone and check in with myself several times a day. In the beginning, I'd suggest maybe five or six times a day. You can keep a pad of paper or even an app open on your phone. Just take a few deep breaths and ask, how am I feeling right now? Or what am I feeling right now? Resist the urge to answer the question with words like fine or okay. Dive in. Try to be as specific as you can. Write down three or four words. And remember, they may not all be negative. So you may be feeling overwhelmed, pressed for time, but proud all at the same time. Then, once you've written down the emotions, notice where in your body those sensations are coming from. It may be one place or many. It doesn't matter, only that you notice it. Then see if you can identify the thoughts that are driving that emotion. So let me see if I can give you an example. I was recently upset about a relationship issue. It made me feel heartbroken, sad, and mad. I felt those feelings in my chest and in my stomach. Once I dived into those feelings, I realized that my mad was really anger. That I felt that I was carrying too much burden or responsibility for the situation. And why was it all me? My sad and heartbreak was that maybe my marriage was over. And worse, it was maybe that I didn't care if it was. But I sat with those feelings and the thoughts that seemed to be driving the whole thing were the thought that maybe I wasn't a good wife and the thought that maybe my husband no longer loved me. Realizing those thoughts and the subsequent story that I was telling myself that my husband didn't love me and that our relationship was likely ending created a vulnerable space in me where I could get clarity on the situation. And then I could take action on those emotions and talk to my husband about them. We came to a place of understanding and now things are in a better place. My point is that that uncomfortable feeling and emotion gave me the opportunity to get clear on my relationship and gave us a chance to work a little bit harder on us. In the past, Instead of sitting with it and trying to figure it out, I would have stayed with the mad feeling because it would have been the safest. And then I would have eaten out of anger towards him. Little did I know that I would have also been eating out of anger towards myself 
for not putting my big girl panties on and just dealing with it. It's so easy for us to label any kind of stress as negative when it's not always the case. Getting a new job is stressful, but that may be exactly what you want and need. Getting a new dog can be stressful, but it can also create such joy. It's almost like we need to reframe stress. Get specific about it, because stress can be a call to be more organized, or to delegate, or to declutter, or to take a vacation, and those are not negative things. And it's unfortunate for emotional eaters because we have the tendency to hit the chips at the first sign of stress. And we don't care if it's good or bad or peanut butter flavored. But sometimes in order to be, do, and have what we want most, we have to be uncomfortable. And we may have to feel a little bit of stress. It's okay. We just need to remember that we're being called to grow. Or better yet, if we're feeling uncomfortable, we need to remember that we're probably doing something right. So, label the emotions, connect with the thoughts that are driving them, and reframe them or shift them. It's like I've said before, food is easy. As children, we learn this skill so easily from parents and caregivers who know no better way to goat themselves And all we want is to just feel comfortable, connected, and safe. So to recap, connecting in with yourself is a really valuable resource and tool for managing stress, for not emotional eating, and for navigating change and growth in your life. But even without huge monumental changes happening in your life, stuff, also known as stress, also known as change, is still happening. And with that comes emotions. So the question is, are you processing those emotions or are you stuffing them down with food or alcohol and putting them in the closet? If you are packing them away for processing later and eating emotionally, that's fine. Just know that it will all be there ready and waiting whenever you're ready to grow and clean up and move through it. So. Just in case you want to write those steps down, they are number one, check in with yourself five to six times a day. Put a reminder in your phone that says, how are you? How are you feeling? And then write down the emotions. If you don't have a lot of time, just stick to maybe three, right? Try to dive in and be as specific as you can and try to notice where in your body those feelings or sensations actually are coming from. Step number two, write down the thoughts that are driving it. One sentence is fine. You don't have to write a paragraph or anything like that. I've found that using Brene Brown's phrase, the story I'm telling myself is, is extremely helpful. Step number three is reframe that thought or that story. What is another way to tell the story? How else can you look at it? What are the opportunities that are here? I think it's important to... Make time to do things that you really love. Move every day. Um, Watch, I don't know, five minutes of comedy. Watch silly cat videos. Listen to your favorite song. Um, I've recently found ASMR videos and have been listening to and watching those 
And while I don't get the tingles that everybody else gets, um, I do find them extremely relaxing and sometimes they make me want to fall asleep. Um, but you can also, you know, do yoga, do some deep breathing. Um, TREs are extremely helpful as well. Reconnect with yourself. Take the time. It's really important. I know it sounds so simple. You're like, oh, Christy, take five breaths. Ooh. <laughs> it's really important to check in with yourself. Stop. Connect with your body. When you hit the panic button and your body goes into fight or flight, we retreat into our heads so that we can survive, so that we can continue to operate in the world. And when you disconnect from your body, you stop feeling it. And that's when it becomes easy to go into autopilot, to eat on autopilot, to shop on autopilot, to have sex on autopilot, and to stop participating in your life in a meaningful way. And when you stop and check in and reground and recenter and, you know, ask your little toe, how are you feeling right now? I know that sounds really silly, but it, stopping to check and see how your little toe feels, you'll, you'll reconnect to your body. And when you do that, you'll, you'll find the sensations. You know what? Hey, I've got a little bit of discomfort there or you know what, I'm carrying some, some tension there. And, you know, this is something that you should be doing multiple times a day. It's, you know, part of your self-care regimen. It should be, you know, just like you get up and, you know, you take your shower and you brush your teeth and you comb your hair and you feed yourself. You should be checking in with yourself. So and it's just as important as anything else you do to take care of yourself and keep yourself alive and breathing and, um, going through your day. So I hope that you will give this a try. I would love to hear how it works for you. I really appreciate you tuning in this week and listening. If you have any questions or concerns or comments, I would love to hear them. You can find me on Facebook at fb.me forward slash coach Christy R. Hall or at my website www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon.